gospel or the book of James in the New Testament. And we're in chapter 3. And I have a picture. Before I read this passage in James, I have a picture uh, that Brandon just pulled up for me a minute ago. Thank you, Brandon. In different parts of our country, there are places, this is geography, there are certain places that are known as divides. There's one west of here, I, I can't think where it is, but I've crossed, I've seen the signs for it many times as you're going west on 68 or maybe on Route 30, and you'll come to a sign that says, this is the, the divide where everything east of this is the watershed for the uh, Chesapeake Bay. Everything west of this is the water, the, the water goes for some other thing. Out in the Rocky Mountains, of course, I guess maybe it's sort of the, uh, uh, the spine of the Rocky Mountain range. I'm not sure exactly, but uh, geologists have determined that there is what's called the Continental Divide that divides this continent into uh, two pieces. Everything on the east, the water flows into the Mississippi River. Every drop of rain that goes on the west goes into the Pacific Ocean. Somehow or other, it may take a thousand detours before it gets there, but sooner or later, depending on which place, which side of that divide, and it, you know, of course, um, this is a picture supposedly of, of the divide, the continental divide. I'm not sure uh, exactly where is the magic spot, but there's a state, or there's a national park. Um, I think in Utah, some of you might have been there, but it, it, it points out one of those places where they can pretty well easily identify that, you know, if you stand over here, any water that hits you is going completely in one vast body of water this way. If you move literally like this far, then any drop of rain which would hit you would flow completely. It's just an interesting thought to think that at some point, there is, it may seem as thin as a razor, at some point, there is a dividing line in many areas of life, many issues of life, where I'm not like them. I'm different from this one. Uh, that thought and my thought, there's a divider, there's a division. That behavior, I would never do. Because between me and that behavior, and any behavior that I would perform, there's a great divide. There's a continental divide. And I, I'm going this way, and they're going that way. And, and, and the, in the final analysis, it's that simple. Can I read from James chapter 3? He says, verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But... The wisdom that comes from heaven 
is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So if I can use this image as a way of saying simply that the words that he uses in here, the earthly wisdom and the heavenly wisdom compose what I'm calling a great divide. There's, there's two perspectives on life. There's two directions that everybody's going to go. There's, there's, everybody's going to go one of those two directions. And he just points out this dividing diagonal and says on the one side you have heavenly wisdom and on one side you have earthly wisdom. And this comes down from above and this is from the devil. And it's simply a, a stark reminder that we all are motivated and we all get our input from somewhere and we all make a choice that takes us some direction. And there is between the right and the wrong, the black and the white, there is between the heavenly and the earthly a vast difference. But they meet together at some point in our mind, in our head, in our heart, in our choices, in our thoughts. And we decide, are we going to flow this way? Are we going to flow this way? Okay, a couple other scriptures that just point this out. That God has some things to say, but then God gets back talk from Satan. And he's got some different things to say. Where's the 1 Corinthians 1? Where, would you read this with me? You can read it. Just read it out loud. Where's the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made the foolish wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. So he just uses a a few terms there in, in a pretty interesting way. There's wisdom and there's foolishness. There's the wisdom of God and there's the wisdom of the world. That's the great divide. That's the continental separator. Here's another one. Read this, would you? Please. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Now talk about a dividing line. I mean, this says, look, the rulers of this age, the people only influenced by the devil's logic and the devil's wisdom, they don't even get it. That's what he says. They didn't even understand it. If they had, they would never have done what they did. And so... This dividing line is in issues, issues in a difference of behavior. And, and it, it, it becomes a pull in two different directions for our life. This is what he's saying. There is, there's a message of wisdom that mature people understand. It comes from God. And then there's this, what he calls the wisdom of the rulers of this age. Meaning, not of God at all. Maybe politics or government, maybe uh, uh, 
popular culture, music, movies, all, all kinds of ways that the, the, the rulers of this age generate their thoughts, their influence, and show what really motivates them. And, and he says, you know, when it comes to what God desires and offers and what the, the rulers and the wisdom of this age has to say, it's like there's a, a great divide between the two of them. This side don't even understand this side. They don't even get it. It's, a, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to think about. Can you read this with me? Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. Uh, there's just a lot you could think about there. But a lot of people who are, quote, smart, who are high paid, who are well thought of, um, he says, the Lord knows their thoughts are futile because their thoughts are on this side of the continental divide of, of this God issue. And his thoughts are over here. Uh, one more scripture. Can we read this? See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. That's in Colossians chapter 2. There again, just the, the divider, the dividing line. This stark d division of reality between what he calls here the, the, the forces of this world and Christ. It doesn't matter which terms you use, but just the realization as this points out. So James in chapter 3 here talks about wisdom. And he says there's heavenly wisdom, comes down from up above, and there's earthly wisdom. And I'm simply saying as a way of, of thinking of it for a second here, that it's like, it's like the great divide where literally all the lives on one side flow in one way and all the lives on the other side are going to flow in the opposite direction. Um, I suppose wisdom could be given a lot of different definitions. Sometimes wisdom is considered to be a matter of expertise or uh, experience. Well, let's call so-and-so to fix the furnace because he, he has a lot of wisdom. Meaning, he's done this stuff before, he knows what he's doing, he's got the tools. Um, sometimes we refer to wisdom sort of as an intelligence thing. Like, well, this person would know what to do because they're so smart, they can weigh out all the options. And some of us wouldn't even know what the options are. And, and so we, we can sometimes uh, put it in terms of, of just um, intelligence. I want to use it, I think the Bible's using it often as a, a word that just means a perspective. That, that this is a perspective in general that you have. If you're wise, you're on this side of the great divide. Your perspective is always oriented this way. If you're not wise, if you just have a lot of earthly wisdom, then you're always oriented. You don't even get it. 
that there is the other side. You don't understand it, nor do you uh, particularly accept it. And so James uses these two, these two uh, descriptors, these two descriptions of heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. And he says, first of all, that earthly wisdom or the wisdom of mankind generated, wisdom generated to mankind is unspiritual. What that means, if I can say it like this, is that you either don't consider a, an invisible spiritual world or you don't care. Either way, you're not too taken by the spiritual side of life. Either it totally escapes you or you just shove it away because you have no interest in it and you cannot fathom the importance of it enough to care about it. All you can think about and all you care about is this present moment, this present pursuit, and nothing else beyond that even... even, uh, Get your attention. You know, I remember many years ago hearing the, uh, the uh, story about some pigs who were in the, in the wood lot. And they're eating acorns, of course, as they, pigs will do. And these pigs are rooting among the leaves. And this one particular hog had, it was just particularly aggressive. And he was there around one oak tree. And he was just rooting in the dirt for all he was worth. And he was actually doing damage to the little roots of this oak tree. He was ripping up little roots with his nose. And the other pig scolded him and said, hey, don't get so uh, aggressive. You'll kill the tree. And the pig said, who cares about the tree? I just want acorns. I'm not interested in the future. I just want now. I mean, it's kind of funny, but it's not funny. It's sad that, any, that he could be such a, an idiot or so foolish or so stupid as to say, I, I don't care about the tree. I just want acorns. Because he, he could not consider or care about the, the reality because the reality is future. And so therefore, the future life is, is just outside of consideration. This is unspiritual. James says in verse 13, it's from the devil. And I think when I read this, I was so struck by the fact of the irony of how it is that an invisible person, an invisible, rebellious, evil force could so distract my thinking, could so disorient my thinking that I would refuse to consider the invisible world. In other words, I could be so deceived by someone who is invisible to me in in itself that I don't believe in the invisible. I don't accept it. I don't care about it. I don't give it any place in my life. What? How ironic is that? How amazing could it be that from this spiritual world could come a temptation that could camouflage me to the importance or even the reality of this whole spiritual world. 
so that I don't consider it, I don't prepare for it, I'm not, I'm, I never think about it. I, I, don't, I don't think in the future. You know, um, one of the things that was, was uh, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is the passage in 1 Corinthians 15 where Paul's talking about the resurrection, the, day, the, the great day that someday will bring people up out of the graveyard, out of the, out of the graves. And Paul says there, um, you know, there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. This is in 1 Corinthians 15. And he said, we're going to experience both of those realities because the natural body, flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so we, we will have to have a transition from a natural body into a spiritual body. And he says, when this happens, it's going to be amazing. There will be a, a trumpet. There will be a blast of trumpet. The Lord Jesus will descend and we will all be changed. That's the phrase that's used there in 1 Corinthians 15. We will all be changed. And in relationship to this, it just makes me, it makes me amazed. It leaves me amazed that we will prepare for all kinds of change that we know is coming. For example, if I say to you, it's going to be snowing tomorrow, you will make preparation. The weather changes. We all understand that. And so you look at the weather report, you consider the future, and you say, oh, I better, you know, I better take a snow shovel with me, or I better take an umbrella with me. I, want, I don't want to be caught unaware in a change that I know is coming. So I prepare. We, we prepare for changes of our finances. We say, well, I'm going to retire and I'm not going to have the same income. Or I have lost my, I've lost my job, so my income is going to be different. I need to prepare for such a reality. I know it will somehow or other, eventually it will happen. So we do all kinds of things to make ready. Um, you know, Cindy and I were talking just the other day as we get older, as we age. We live in a house where our bedroom and our bathroom is upstairs. And we, you know, we said to each other the other day, Someday we may not be able to go up these steps. We've got to think about that. We have to prepare physically. There's going to be changes. And uh, it, it does no good to pretend as if somehow this is not going to happen. When you know a change is coming, if, you have, if, you're, if, you're, if you're wise, you, you get ready. You prepare so that that doesn't just knock you sideways. Paul says... We're all going to die. We will all be changed. Okay? The person who catches that is on one side of the divide and they say, ah, I need to prepare for that moment and that time when this flesh and blood body is changed into a spiritual body. And if you've never done that, if you've never made that preparation by receiving Christ as your Savior, it is essential that you do. Otherwise, you're like those who say, why would I worry about such a thing? If it happens, when it happens, I guess in that moment, I'll worry about it. But I'm not even sure that any of that stuff is real. I can't see it. And I'm saying how ironic it is that the person who would tempt us to think like that in itself, he and himself, cannot be seen or proven. Um, implications of, of, of our earthly wisdom. I just mentioned a couple things here. To me, 
the, 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 when, I, when I look back at the Tower of Babel where people said, for example, well, it's kind of, I know God told us to spread out, but uh, we're just going to stay here and what's, let's just build a big building. And somebody had this big idea, great, great idea. And they deny, they, they um, in their earthly wisdom, they just wanted to impress each other, I guess. They said, let's build a building so tall, there's nothing else like it. Yeah, that sounds good to me. You know, and, and, and you can just, if I go back through, through the early history of humanity, from the Tower of Babel, from all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and it says that Eve looked at the, Eve looked at the fruit, and the Lord said, now, from that tree, no, no, no. And Eve looked at that in the inf- with the voice of Satan influencing her. This is in Genesis chapter 3. And it said, she saw that the fruit was handsome, looked nice. But she also saw that it was, it was desirable to make her wise. Uh, Satan had said, you know, your eyes will be open. You'll understand things you never understood before. And it says, Eve looked at that and she, she wanted to be wise. But, you know, what kind of wisdom is this? That, that says, I'm going to do it because God said don't do it. And that makes it just more tempting and more appealing to me. Um, I'm, simply, I'm, I'm simply sidetracking here for a second and saying, here's the implications of this kind of attitude. That either the authority of God or even the existence of God is considered unimportant. There's no weight. There's no other way to say this. Except that if I am operating in earthly wisdom, then the Bible carries no weight with me. Because I'll just defy it. I'll do things that it says not to do. So how else can I say it except that it carries no influence with me? Morality or ethics there's nothing, there, there could only possibly be an absolute if there is an absolute God. There is just no other, other way to have one. Otherwise, nobody will ever agree on anything. So it has to just be whatever I want to. And the same thing with, with whatever I can get away with, whatever I can do. You know, I kind of, I, I kind of chuckle. No, I don't chuckle. It's not funny at all. But when I see a situation like currently we have with Russia and uh, Ukraine, and I think all these people saying to Mr. Putin and his machine, you need to stop, you need to go back, you need to... And, and they don't understand this is how these... This is the wisdom of which the world functions. Uh, why, do I, why do I care what you think? If I can do it, I'll do it. If I'm strong enough to get away with it, I'll do it. This is the mentality of the wisdom of the world. Spiritual qualities are unimpressive. Appetites of the flesh are prized. And this is who the world in which we live, especially here in our Western, earthly, wisdom-predominated culture and world. Uh, we're mostly, we're just, we're just completely impressed with what did you do? What did you accomplish? How many movies did you make? How much money do you have? All of these kind of things are so impressive, and, and, and it's on a completely other side of the divide. It's earthly oriented. It's unspiritual stuff. And it matters not at all to God. He's over here on the other side of this divide. And he's not impressed with materialism. He's not impressed with how many YouTube friends you have or whatever. uh, That kind of stuff. He's He's not impressed with that. Because in his heavenly wisdom, 
he doesn't consider that to be important. And, and I, I want to say this also, and I'll get back. It amazes me how with those who are, are being fed the earthly wisdom that is unspiritual, that they can never quite bring themselves to just love people, serve people, not look at other people as competition to their own self. Earthly wisdom, earthly, unspiritual reality is that I must look at you as a competitor. In fact, you may be more than a competitor. You may be a predator. You may be after my stuff. You may be dangerous to me. And I must forever be suspicious of you or jealous of you or somehow or other attacking you in some way or shape or form. And I don't have any interest at all, really, in helping you out or building you up or encouraging you or uh, blessing you because those things would promote you and they would never promote me. And earthly wisdom isn't interested in that. Earthly wisdom is self-promotional. Okay, spiritual wisdom, he goes on to say, it comes down from God. This is how God thinks and here's how he operates and there's a there's a huge continental divide between these two realities it affects every area of our life and this accepts the reality of the spiritual world and unlike the pig in the oak tree it seeks to apply that in other words the heavenly wisdom says ah yes i want acorns therefore i must take care of the oak tree i i can't just maliciously and carelessly Tear its roots up. Even if I don't love the oak tree, I still do love what the oak tree can do. And therefore, I must value the oak tree, even if I have no regards for whether it's an oak or a maple or a hickory or an asher. It doesn't matter to me. No big deal. But I value this because of the value that's been put on it by heaven. It's not my call to say oak trees are better than maple trees. Heaven has decided that oak trees give me acorns. And so, I take care of them because I need the acorns and I want the acorns. This is wise. This is wisdom that comes from God. I seek to apply and care about and prepare for something that is is future even in the present. Human wisdom focuses on accomplishments and pleasures and it's a dead end. You know, if you read the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, this is what the, the book of Proverbs is, is all about. Uh, Eve said, you know, the, the fruit looks pretty and I think it will make me wise. And she just focused on, on that aspect. Of course, she was being influenced. And we know where, where it brought her in the end. It was, it was deadly and it was uh, destructive. God's wisdom focuses on righteousness and relationships rather than, uh, rather than these things that make me look good like so many accomplishments or pleasures might do that. So, if I could just put this in a little box, I would say that God's kind of wisdom, which He says is pure and peaceable and so forth, we don't have time to... Look at all of those different words that just describe the fruits of living one way or the other. But 
if I could just put them into these ideas, that, that, the, that the wisdom that comes down from heaven, it understands the big picture, accepts it. Isn't this what, isn't this what it's all about? Accepting what it, what's real. Accepting the reality. We will all be changed. No, he's fighting it. The scripture says we will all be changed. We accept it, and then therefore, we prepare. So that's why I say uh, it, it, that this is reality. That, that's why I say it's, be how, it's revealed by how we behave. This is what James says. Show it. Live, if you're on this side of the water, uh, if you're on this side of the great divide, you show it. You don't just stand there and say, oh, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You show it. Show it by your good life. Show it by your deeds. Because you're different. You're marching to the tune of a different drummer than those who uh, show sh- those who show in other other ways. It's not about how much you know or even what you know, because maybe the pig in the forest knew and understood that acorns come from oaks. Maybe he understood that. But he certainly, if he did, it was certainly just an intellectual understanding. He certainly, on a practical level, did not understand that. We need to understand it. And we show that we really do understand it.